Hello, this is the Lend Hoping Nothing podcast. I'm Michael Humphreys, and I'm happy to be talking to you today. This is episode 10, and this is going to be another one of those amusing moments. The thing that I kind of want to talk about today is some of the, the philosophical foundations of contract law. And particularly with respect to contracts that involve property. Uh, and this this become this comes out of my concern around usury, which, uh, as I've argued, is grounded in the nature of the mutuum contract, which is a personally secured loan. And so the concern is trying to understand the underlying principles that go into this. So. Uh, the first kind of thing that we have to kind of understand is all contracts kind of involve uh, more or less some degree of uh, a promise or a commitment or obligation and duties of some sort. Now, the jurists will will dispute this and, you know, is it a promise, is it not, and that's fine. But there, there's some sort of obligation and rights going on. Now, in the case of, of a property contract, so some sort of exchange, we need to consider not just contracts, but we have to consider property. So there's kind of the personal side of the contract, where there are two people, or two or more people, kind of engaging in some sort of agreement, whether that's a gift that I am, you know, giving something to you, I'm transferring full ownership to you gratuitously, or it's, you know, it's a sale where we're exchanging one thing for the other, or whether it's any sort of other different contract. So th this is kind of where I want to start digging in, because it does really relate to property. So property, property considered as such is a sort of authority, it is not, strictly speaking, an object because I can transfer uh, ownership of a good without even possessing the good, without it actually being in my physical possession. Um, and a thief is distinguished from an owner not because of their physical holding of the thing, but because of this, this ownership. And so ownership and property, properly speaking, are not a thing, but a relation. And the way that this is worked out is that the owner or proprietor possesses the thing and he has certain rights over it, but certain rights over and against other people. So he has authority over others. So he can, you know, if someone comes onto your land, you can command them to leave. Uh, if someone tries to use your things, you can command them to stop and, and so forth. So there is a certain authority uh, grounded in ownership. And it's, it's an authority that basically circumscribes everybody to, to a certain extent. But it's also with respect to something, and think might be taken very broadly here. Now, 
the the first thing that I think we have to realize here is okay. So it's it's a particular sort of authority property. So the first thing that we know about well, one of the things we know about authority is it's something that can go from one person to another. So for example, we have um, you know offices um, like the office of the president or uh, you know, a police officer who has a particular authority or um, just various arrangements of authority. And so they can be given from one person to another. And I think this has to do with the relative aspect of, of property, is that it doesn't have to hold on to one or particular person. And so it can be transferred. That, I think, is a first principle of kind of understanding uh, property contracts. And so when you transfer the whole authority to another person, that's typically going to be a, a, a gift or um, like a sale. And so you're, you're giving that authority to someone else. And again, that doesn't necessarily entail that you're giving physical possession to someone you may just be giving them ownership of the particular thing. Um, so the next thing that we kind of come to is, well, in what ways might we grant that authority more or less differently than that? Is that the only way? And the first distinction I, can, I think we can make is between the being and the use of a thing. And so when an object comes into our possession, when it comes into the use of man, there's two different ways that he can kind of approach it. And so he can approach it either with respect to its being or with respect to its use. And what do I mean by this? So there is a distinction between disposing of a thing and using the thing. So for example, you can dispose of a thing say some wood by burning it so it actually destroys it and so then you no longer own that you have sort of dissolved your ownership and so this can also occur uh, with exchange so you can dispose of it and sell it to someone else now on the other hand you can use the thing in such a way that doesn't dispose of it so you drive a car somewhere or you um, you know, you write in a book or any, any of these type of uses that doesn't dispose of it, that doesn't actually uh, remove it out of your possession. So it's being kind of remains with you while you use it. And so this distinction then sort of lays the groundwork for the distinction between uh, a sale where you grant full ownership, so you grant uh, disposal and and use versus things of like a loan for use or uh, a lease where you're retaining the ownership but you're granting that authority over the use and so um, so this this is kind of a fundamental distinction that we're able to make and so even within that uh, transfer of use you can make a further distinction because there's the use of the thing and then there's the 
what comes of using it. So you may be able to transfer uh, the use of it. So for example, you transfer the use of capital to uh, a worker, but to some extent, the the company sort of retains the benefits. So the uh, while the the company pays the worker for making use of the thing and the thing he generates with it, the things that he generates it also ultimately belong to the company. Now that is distinct from something like where you. Uh, lease something where you receive not only the right to the use of it, but also the right of the produce of it. And so this is, you know, common where, you know, you rent a, a tractor or a lawnmower or any any sort of thing like that where you can take it and you can uh, use it and you enjoy it. Now, the distinction here, though, would be that because you only have the right to use, you don't have the right to dispose. And so you can only use it in a manner that does not sort of dissolve the ownership of it because you don't have that ownership. You don't have that right to dispose of the thing. And this is where uh, usury comes back in, where in the mutuum, it's specifically given so that the uh, borrower may dispose of it. And so the uh, lender has to grant the whole ownership to the borrower. He can't retain the use and then also charge for the use. He has to grant the whole thing because part of the contract is that he's granting that authority to dispose of it, to quote-unquote consume it. So that's kind of that. But there's also, because we've been able to distinguish between ownership and use, we could potentially talk about, and Aquinas talks about this in the Demalo, uh, transfer ownership without use. So that authority to dispose of the thing while retaining the use. And in modern language, that's called a leaseback, where... Uh, the former owner retains the use of it while selling the ownership to another party. And so he retains this use, and often this happens with commercial properties. He retains that use so he can use it maybe for a specified period of time. And then the, the owner, the new owner, holds that disposal. Now, he that new owner can't dispose of the thing in such a way that it physically dissolves it, that it undermines the right to use that the other person, the former owner, has. But he could potentially sell it to someone else. So there's that distinction between um, disposal uh, physically versus morally or legally. And there might even be some contract language in there that says, well, no, you can't actually sell it. So there, there might be other contractual obligations there. But at least in principle, there's that, there's that obligation not to physically dispose of it. And so, um, so yeah, so he can continue to make use of it. Um, 
And then you have things like subleases and, and all sorts of other types of contracts. And so this kind of provides sort of that initial sort of foundation of thinking about um, property and contracts. And the way that we're able to divvy up these rights can help us then determine the different types of contracts and how different things work. And the scholastics were really great at this because they had a, a list of Roman law contracts and they worked to dif differentiate the different contracts uh, in different ways. So, uh, you know, there was a simple sale, there was a lease, there was a mutuum, there was a societas. And so in, in this, you could um, kind of split up the ownership between two people. So they had, they each possessed a partial authority over the whole thing. But they, it, they also had kind of over and against each other because they, they only had a partial authority. And then, you know, how do you work that out? Uh, then you have things like uh, deposits where um, you're granting uh, sort of physical possession of a thing with the obligation to protect it, but retaining the ownership. But um, you know, they cannot use it however they see, they can't dispose of it, but you still retain it. Now there's a flip side to that because there's an irregular deposit um, where you grant the thing and say it's a bag of coins and they just pour it into a, a heap of coins. And so then you actually do transfer full ownership, but then you have this claim against this um this depositor um, that you hold against them, that they have to return that same amount. So you don't have an ownership claim over any specific coins, but you still have some sort of ownership. Um, and But the, the depositor now has the ownership of the coins. And so he can use and dispose of them as long as he's able to... Um, pay you back when when you exercise your right to uh, receive back uh, what you put in and so forth. So again, the, this kind of, I think the first two principles here um, for, for property and, and contracts is understanding that the one, the transferability of authority, so property can be transferred, and then also its divisibility, so you can slice up this authority in different ways, and then you can grant different parties different, uh, you know, portions of that authority, either, you know, splitting the ownership between partners, you know, granting the use while retaining the ownership, or granting the ownership retaining the use, and so forth. And so then you can start getting into more and more complex arrangements depending on what rights you can divvy out in what ways. So that's kind of the foundation there. Um, so yeah, that was kind of something I've been I've been thinking a lot about, uh, thinking about um, you know how to think about, for example, like modern corporations, um, how they're structured, and how different rights are. Uh, delegated to different parties and so forth. So thanks for listening. 
Uh, if you have any comments or thoughts, please leave them down below and have a nice day.